Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and Y to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Wednesday, April 5th, it's the Just Baseball Show, and we have the first mailbag of the 2023 season. I'm Aram Layton, he's Peter Apple, and this mailbag is brought to you by BetMGM, which, dude, by the way, the backdrop, you're just you're just flexing on me so hard. I'm in my mom's office at home thinking I'm looking good, but you've got this BetMGM not gambling advice background. Looks like you're in the middle of Wrigley Field with the Ivy. You're, you're just flexing on me. It did look, it does kind of look from my background for those watching on YouTube, like I set up a gambling station on Wrigley Field. But the great part about BetMGM right now is they're running a promo code for MLB bets in particular. This isn't for any bet, so that's why it's perfect for our listeners right now. Use code JB200. When you wager $10 on any MLB game, you get $200 instantly. Absolute no-brainer. If you're thinking about putting a bet down on BetMGM, Use code JB200 and you get $200 instantly. So if your right. unit size is $10, you basically have 20 free bets to use. Uh, so that's that. that's key on BetMGM. And also on Twitch, 
every day, 4.30 p.m. Eastern to 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm running the Not Gambling Advice Baseball betting stream. Arm came on and gave picks. Yeah. A bunch of people are going on to give picks, and it's a competition. It's been a blast so far, and it's brought to us by BetMGM. And this is where I stream, and I'm having a pretty damn good time. And it looks good, which is half the battle. So for the listeners real quick, too, before we get into the mailbag, if you want a chance to win uh, you know, World Series tickets, uh, there's two things that have to, to that have to happen. One, Peter has to win the uh, competition, which I think is very likely. And two, the thing that you have total control of, you just have to subscribe to the to the uh, Twitch stream, right? To the Twitch channel for for just baseball, right? Exactly. All you have to do is subscribe to the Twitch channel, and then at the end of it, if I win, World Series tickets is going to one of the subscribers. But the great thing is, if I finish second. A subscriber gets $500 cash. And I know you said that one of the just baseball show listeners will end up if you end up winning. So I'm excited. I think someone that we know, someone that follows our content will either get World Series tickets or $500 cash. It'd be pretty cool if you and I finished first and second. I think that'd be ideal for our listeners. I would love that. Our listeners just get hooked up. So basically, we're just doing this so that you root for us because we need more support. Uh, But how about you get some free World Series tickets or easy 500 bucks there? So uh, definitely support that stream. It was a lot of fun. I, I went on for the first time and we had a blast. But we're here to answer the questions from listeners. And there were a bunch of good ones. I had a good time fielding them between Twitter and Instagram. It was a little bit of a last minute mailbag for us. Normally, we'll probably put it out the day before and give you a little bit more time. So if you're wondering, like, man, how did I miss it? That one's a little bit on us. Peter and I last minute decided, hey, why don't we why don't we go for the mailbag this year uh, this week? Uh, put it up. You guys were amazing enough to get us all of these questions so quickly. But I understand that there's some that may not have seen it in time. We only gave it a couple hour window. We'll we'll give you more time in the future. But Peter, you texted me specifically that you loved these questions. I tried to you know feel them from all over, but we're really fortunate to have listeners who are knowledgeable inquisitive and have awesome, awesome topics to discuss. And we've got seven different ones that I think are all money in different areas. I genuinely love our listeners. All the questions that were submitted are so good. And it's so hard to decide, right? Because we get, you know, 50 to 60 on Twitter, another 50 on Instagram, and all of them are good. So it's almost like you put them all in a hat and you just choose whatever comes out. But I'm genuinely so proud that the listeners of the Just Baseball show are so knowledgeable about the game. Like they're so, they're so precise. They, they garner like a great conversation, really excited for this episode. And I just want to thank all the listeners of the Just Baseball show for displaying your knowledge because all the questions, like it's impossible to choose because they're all fantastic. A hundred percent. If we didn't get to you here, we'll, we'll try to get to you next time, but the first question came from Jake Kaiser 27 on Twitter, who says it's clear already through four games that the Cardinals pitching is holding back the high powered offense. Who is, uh, who is on the trade block among the Cardinals outfield and middle infield depth to target elite starting an elite starting pitcher. And what pitcher, first of all, before you answer this, Peter, I can't believe we're already doing this again. I know I will say, let's expect probably nothing to happen for a while, but it's a fun conversation to have because this extends beyond the Cardinals and we want to kind of like way too early ID some guys that might be traded last year. Like Montes was, was kind of floated from day one. We had a couple of names that we kind of knew were going to be traded from day one from teams that were pretty much out of contention from opening day. Not as much the case here this year. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit more interesting and more fun to have this conversation and get creative with it. Um, but 
First, I'd preface, don't expect the Cardinals to do much, but for the sake of the thought exercise and just kind of discussing how they've looked out of the gate, I thought this was a fun question because there's so many layers to it. So in terms of the Cardinals, I still need to see more from this starting rotation, right? Adam Wainwright started the year on the IL, and he's the perceived number one, right? Miles Michael has had a tough start. Jack Flaherty threw a five-inning no-hitter, even though he had seven walks and one hit by pitch. But you look at the final stat line, the Cardinals won, and he ended up having a good start if you just look at the box score. Now the command was off, but hopefully he can come back and be a three starter. Like, I think that's very possible for a guy like Jack Flaherty. He has the talent of an ace, but the downside of a guy who's in triple A, I think they average together and end up being like a four or a three. Um, And then you look right. Matthew Libertor is going to come up a guy who I want to really ask you about. Cause I know that you've been high on him this off season, but if we're talking about a starter that I've been watching um, and of course it's been one start, but a guy like Herman Marquez was very, very good before last season where he got crushed, right? But then in his last start, very, very solid. Six innings, two earned runs. He's always been a guy whose ERA is near the threes on the road and in the fives at home. He could still be one of those guys where, yeah, he had a really bad year last year. So maybe then he's a little bit cheaper. I could so see a Juan Yepes for Herman Marquez type of swap. Maybe the Rockies wouldn't even need to throw in more, but I could easily see that happening if the Cardinals are looking for an upgrade, but it's just way too early to say the Cardinals rotation is awful. They're going to ruin the season because you're still without Wainwright. So that's where I'm at. That's a player who I would look around to target, but there are plenty more who I'm sure you have some ideas. Yeah, and we're, you know, Steven Matz is going to be making his season debut basically after we we are recording this because we're recording this, you know, on the 4th, uh, Tuesday in the afternoon. But uh, I do think Steven Matz, if healthy, is is a very reliable option, probably better than what, whatever they're going to be able to get this early in the season. I, I brought up the question, or I, I kind of added this question in because I wanted to highlight the fact that the Cardinals are hitting 356 as a team. They have a 167 WRC plus as a team. Highest um, in so- baseball. So this team rakes. We know how good the defense is. And I think the Cardinals are not going to be worried about the pitching. And that's the big reason why I wanted to bring it up for exactly what you kind of said until it's a legitimate, like catastrophic issue, which I think with Libertor also waiting in the wings, a guy that has really, really impressed me. Fastball is ticked up two miles per hour. The curveball is sharper and not as much of that slow looper. He's using a slider off of it now. And even the changeup has gotten better. He looks like a different guy, and he's got the sinker and the four-seamer, so it's helped him kind of keep the ball in the yard more. Libertor looks like he could be a a big league option for them this year. So I think they're going to let this play out, but I do think that when you look at the Cardinals situation, and this was another thing that – another reason why I brought this question here is I don't expect them to make the trade, but Dylan Carlson I think is as expendable as ever now because when when Dylan Carlson wasn't moved last year, that was before Jordan Walker lit up the Arizona Fall League lit up spring training and won a job outright. And we talked about it. The big reason why I was afraid of Walker getting on the opening day rosters, I thought no way they bench Carlson and Walker would be a DH. And I don't want my top prospect DHing as he's supposed to be learning the outfield. Not the case. Walker's actually playing a lot of outfield, which is great. I love that the Cardinals are doing that. But that means Dylan Carlson is is as expendable as ever. That said, Lars Newtbar goes down. He's on the 10-day IL. And that's why you don't trade just to trade because all of a sudden, now you need Carlson. Now you need Yepes. So I think they're going to see how this goes for a couple months. I think Cardinals fans 
look, there's going to be times where the, the rotation is frustrating, but unless you can get a clear, clear cut upgrade or it's, it's a deadline low cost swap for Herman Marquez, I think they're fine as is. And I don't think that they should go crazy right now. You know, trying, I think Cardinals fans need to breathe. I think you're going to be just fine, but I understand the concerns around the pitching. We always talk about it. Something, uh, that I was thinking about when my head touched the pillow last night, just late night baseball thoughts inside my own brain. I thought if lineups were expanded to 12 players, right? You had four DHs or something like that. The Cardinals would win every game because they have the deepest best lineup in all of baseball right now. Another guy who we haven't mentioned is Nolan Gorman, who's rocking a 335 WRC plus. So he's 235% better than the league average hitter through the first couple of games, through the first week of the MLB season. So he's a guy like, let's say he has an incredible first half. You could maybe package him and another guy and get an ace. So they have so many ways, but it's not time to panic, right? There are other teams where we should consider, all right, they got way more issues than the Cardinals because the reason the Cardinals are so good is, yes, their weakness is starting pitching, but they still have a great bullpen. They have an elite offense and an elite defense. So when there's four units of the game and you're elite in two of them, great in one, and it's not as great in in the starting pitching side, you can make moves in order to shore up that pitching, and they will, and it's just – who is it? When is it? The when is probably going to happen in July, not exactly. In- and if there's one thing that's very clear with, with this Cardinals team is they're not going to just make trades to make it. They're not AJ Preller led like John Moselock's not like that. So look at the Sean Murphy deal, right? They were deep in negotiations. Ultimately, the price wasn't right for them. And, and they, they backed away. He ends up going to the Braves. The Cardinals are, are going to make moves that they think exactly are the right value and that's it and that's fine and that's why the cardinals are perpetually in contention and very good the last thing i'll say is libertor was one of the only quote-unquote top pitching prospects you know highly regarded pitching prospects to actually debut well i mean we saw grayson Rod- and we talked about this on the call-up you should definitely go check that out because we broke down all of the starts of all of the top prospects through this debut open opening weekend brandon fought struggled uh, Gavin Stone gave up more runs in his opening day start or in his first start this year than he did in the final two months of last season. Um, you, you had Grayson Rodriguez, Taj Bradley, all look shaky. Libertor was one of the only high-profile pitching prospects who carved. And I think if he continues to look like that, the Cardinals are going to feel a little bit better about where they're at as well. So I think we got to wait, and, and I think you and I both agree on that, Peter. And I think Cardinals fans, unfortunately – should should power down the trade machine because you're just going to drive yourself nuts. I think everyone outside of St. Louis is thinking that it's not just us, but the, of course you're following your favorite baseball team. You see an immediate hole and you said, how do we change this right now? It's sure. not going perfectly right as we're sitting here. Take a deep breath. Cardinals are really good and they're going to yes. be really good. And they're going to upgrade pitching. Look at a guy like Herman Marquez. I think he could impact the team. So now I think it's time for question number two. Let's do it. So this one comes from Nick Faber on Twitter. It's Nick underscore Faber underscore. What are some hot takes based on overreactions to start the season? We kind of do this anyway, so I figured why not build this into this one because we haven't done it in the last few episodes. And now we've got a full series of of kind of whatever we want across the entire major league landscape of just crazy overreactions. So I kick it to you, Peter. 
James Outman might be the next great Dodgers outfielder. And of <laughs> course, it's an overreaction, but I just love this guy's swing. I think he's a good defender in the outfield. And the Dodgers always seem to spawn these randos who you may never have heard of or maybe you have heard them before, but the Dodgers always squeeze the juice out of some of these guys. And I've just been very impressed with a guy like James Outman. You know, you look at a Dodgers lineup with Mookie, Freddie, and Will Smith. And Max Muncy, of course. And then the bottom of the lineup looks a little weak. But James Outman is extending that lineup, being the outfielder that the Dodgers need. And when we look right now at leaderboards, he's number three in F4 in all of baseball behind Juan Franco and Adam Duvall. James Outman has a 268 WRC plus, so and he's logging 917. Is he going to do that this year? Of course not. But I do think that he is a very good outfielder. And I here's a hot take that he's an all-star this year. Probably like won't happen, that. but there's a hot take for you. It's not crazy because he doesn't have the most demanding role, right? That's not the guy that you're game planning for. It's not the guy you're worried about in the lineup, but he can he can burn you. He's fast. You mentioned the swing. He's continued to get better every time we see him. He strikes out a little bit, but he hedges that with walks. I, I Jack has talked about Outman because you get to see him a lot in AAA and he loves him. And, and I can see why Jack fell in love with him in AAA and, and has been hyping him up for a while because all of the things that you just said, this guy's for real in a platoon of Trace Thompson, you know, kind of, you know, part-time in center field with Outman, but then Outman can move all over the outfield as well. He can play center. He can play the corners. This really helps a Dodgers lineup that, you know, isn't, is still really good, but, the offense hasn't been that great aside from the one, you know, the one crazy game where Trace Thompson hit three home runs and the outfield has some more questions as well. So I think Outman is huge for this ball club. What's yours? I'm going to go. Yeah. So I have a few different ones I wanted to approach. One's not I'll, enough. I have, been over I have one more after. So yeah, we'll go back first. and forth. We'll do yeah. two each. Um, this was something we kind of touched on on the last episode, but the more I've, I've looked at it, like I, this is kind of a, a fun overreaction that I, I think the Rays, might have the best pitching staff in all of major league baseball. If, if this is what it looks like. And we just saw the tigers put up a really good offensive display against, you know, a, a solid Astros pitching staff. The ABs looked way better. Riley green went oppo over the train tracks. Like all of a sudden it, they didn't look like a totally inept team. Uh, this is, I still maintain. And we talked about it. I said, I think it was more the Rays pitching staff being impressive than the tigers offense being terrible. And, you know, it's only one game after that, but that seemed to be the case there because they put up some good at-bats against a solid Astros pitching staff. I'm just looking at Jeffrey Springs and what he did, and, and if, it looks sustainable. Like, that was a legit start. It, it was just disgusting. Shane McClanahan looks 100% healthy, which is the best news. That was the one thing I was concerned about when we were doing our rankings is how is that shoulder holding up? Glassnow is already trending back sooner, I think, than than some may have thought he would come back. And then, I mean, you even got another just right pick up right where he left off, kind of start from Drew Rasmussen going six innings and punching out what was it, nine? He's uh, like so better it, than McClanahan. He's not like, actually, but like he's amazing. And it's a, he has starts him, where like, he's better. It's not that far off. Like the breaking ball that he has, the cutter that he has, he is so good. He, he can strike out anybody at will, but he also induces a ton of soft contact. And he's just a burly man on the mound. I love watching him pitch. Like the more I watch Drew Rasmussen, the more I fall in love. And also shout out Bet MGM. Every other sports book had the Rays to win the division around plus three hundred. They give us plus three fifty. I pounced. 
and I'm feeling good to win the AL East. It might not happen. Of course, it's way early to tell. Good value, though. They're on the right track, right? And the Rays, this is so funny. The Rays, you know, they had that easy series against the Tigers. Now they're playing the Nationals. Then they go play the A's. They might go undefeated through the first. That's what I'm saying. That's why, that's why, that's why it's a funny overreaction because they like actually might have a a, a 0.9 ERA through the first like 12 games of the season because of the way that the, the, the games match up for them there. Uh, what's your second overreaction? My second overreaction, and this is based off a lot of people's predictions for this player. But I was just so enamored with Dansby Swanson's improvements in Atlanta. And right now, the dude is hitting 588 <laughs> with a 706 slug to give him a 279 WRC+. plus. He's put up 0.4 war. He's like in the 11 range in Major League Baseball right now. So my overreaction for Dansby Swanson is he puts up another six-war season. Because I think the defense is so safe. And man, he's hitting the ball well. His swing looks good. He just, to me, he wasn't a numbers darling because, you know, you look at some of the batted ball data, you look at a fringe arm and you say to yourself, eh, that might have been a shot in the pan. Maybe the Cubs paid too much. I seriously thought that he is just such a smart baseball player that he knows you know, his shortcomings, and he just works on, on them in the offseason and improves every single season. So he's already off to a great start. And a lot of people, if I told you at the beginning of the season, Dansby's going to play better than he was with the Braves. Everyone would have said, you're nuts. And I yeah. may still be nuts, but I just believe in Dansby Swanson on the Chicago Cubs. And I think he will put up another 6-4 season, solidifying himself as one of the best shortstops in baseball. I think he's just such a good ball player. I like that. That's a fun one. And, and I, I shook off a bad spring and just said, whatever. And just, just, just mashing. So I, I would love to see that because he got and paid anything but, like the brewers pitching. Like, yeah, no, it's not like he's being good pitching too. Mm-hmm. And, and also like, it wasn't like it was a great environment to hit in, in Chicago through that first series. It was, it was, it was under city for you. I Literally. know with some of these bets. So it, I mean, definitely a fun one there because I don't think anybody would have thought that before the season, but right now he's only struck out once through 18 plate appearances and you know, the glove's going to play. Um, and, and it seems like he's really happy to be in Chicago. So definitely a nice uh, start for him there. I'm going to go with two for one with two rookies. Cause it's very short and very easy. Uh, I'm going to go with, First, Miguel Vargas. I think he leads the league in walks. Uh, It's going to be really hard to do that when you've got Juan Soto and some of these other guys. But Miguel Vargas has 18 plate appearances. I don't know how many pitches he's seen, but he's walked nine times and he has only chased once. He's only swung at one pitch outside the zone. Remember, this is a guy, I don't know what kind of voodoo spells. He casts on pitchers because this was a guy that was walking at a 50% clip when the pitchers knew he wasn't swinging. You can't give him credit for that. You can't say, oh, great plate discipline. He wasn't swinging. There's no point. Like, so you can't give him credit for that, but something weird. I don't know what it is. It's not like he has a crazy stance. It's distracting. It's not like he stands on the plate. I don't know what he does, but he casts a voodoo spell. He's already leading the league in walks. He did it when he couldn't swing. And I think he's going to continue to walk at a ridiculous, ridiculous clip. Voodoo Vargas. I already love the nickname. Makes so much sense. Voodoo Vargas. And then the other one is kind of building off of something I was saying all offseason, but I didn't have the balls to say before he did a a, a ridiculous, you know, put up a ridiculous display in four games. Bryce Terang, rookie Mm. of the year in the National League. I was hyping up Terang of the Brewers, you know, a guy that I thought could be a major X factor for them at second base. 
he hits his first home run of the or of his career. It's a grand slam. He looks exactly like I thought he would defensively at second base. But what's impressing me even more is he's walking a ton too. Uh, he, he's walked up basically a quarter of his at bat so far, not swinging and missing. Obviously he's not going to be a guy that hits for a ton of power, but if he starts to flash what he just did and he's starting to hit the ball as hard as 105 miles an hour, 106, which he's just started to do a little bit more. I have a whole thread breaking him down on Twitter. Uh, if you search my, my at on Twitter, you can find the whole thread I have of him of breaking him down. But I legitimately think he could just accumulate a ton of F war. And depending on how voters look at it, there's a legit chance Bryce Turang could be a, a rookie of the year candidate and finalist. I love it. We'll move on to question number three. This one comes from uh, probably Joseph Conlon, but he's at Conlon underscore Joseph on Twitter. What do you think is the main issues with the Phillies? Is it the format of the starting lineup, starting pitcher, or bad bullpen? Hopefully the Phils can turn this mess around soon. So first of all, I put this in here because I think it's so funny. Yeah. The fans are already like, this shit's, that's this shit's why fucked. Wanted, that's why I wanted to do a mailbag so bad because I wanted to see these overreactions. You should see some of Philly's Twitter. It's like it's over. The season's it's over. It's over. It's and it's like, go ahead, but I have a point about the Phillies. And maybe I'll just say it now. It's like, what did you expect right now? Not not for the rest of the season. What did you expect right now? You know Suarez is out. You know Painter is not going to be pitching right now. You know Bryce Harper's still out. And Reese Hoskins is out for the year with the uh with the leg injury. Like you and, and knew, you had no you, knew you had about slow. And you had no time to like accommodate that, right? Like it wasn't yeah. like Hoskins got hurt three months ago. It was right before the season. They had to just say, okay, Derek Hall, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Like we knew the Phillies would start out slow. That was kind of the point, right? Where we said it on the podcast um, that while the Phillies have a very good shot of making the playoffs and making another sneaky run, they're probably going to start out slow. Vince Wars is going to come back. Painter's going to come back. And Harper's going to come back. And then they're going to roll. We knew that. Yeah. Have you seen Trey Turner? He's playing awesome. Yeah. It's the bottom of the lineup that can't hit anything right now. And the pitching just hasn't been there against a Rangers team that just straight up ambushed them. Do I think Zach Wheeler is going to be a four inning guy giving up six or no? Do I think Nola is going to be that guy? No, you're going to be fine. Can you relax, Philly? Yeah. Every single one of your teams makes the Super Bowl or NBA Finals or World Series. And yet you start 0 and 4, the season's over. Take a season chill over. pill. You'll be fine. Yes, thank you. They will be just fine. Again, the Texas Rangers are like, they have juggernaut ability, right? Like we, we know that when everything's clicking for that team, there can be a problem. Are they going to be good over 162? We don't know. Uh, we're a little unsure. But we know that when things are going right for the Rangers, they can roll right over you with the talent that they have, both on the mound and at the plate. It happens. Sometimes you start the season – and, and the other team was a little bit more ready than you were. Uh, but to answer like the, the the question of kind of what's up with the Phillies, like what did you really see in those four games? Other than the fact that to me, it just seemed like a lineup that was shaken up, right? It was like you shook up a snow globe and then had to just toss it out there because everything's kind of chaotic right now. Um, you know, the pitching you mentioned, some of the guys got like ambushed a little bit. It wasn't Zach Wheeler's best start ever. Honestly, the stuff was good though. He still struck out a bunch of dudes and he yeah. just wasn't. Totally, totally, totally sharp. Um, overall, though, like, I really don't see anything that bad. Obviously, you would have liked to see a better debut from Taiwan Walker. Obviously, Aaron Noah wasn't his best. But, like, we're talking about pitchers all over the game, kind of battling command issues. 
shaking off the cobwebs. And uh, these are three vets and Nola Wheeler, you know, and, and uh, Walker that, you know, maybe just might be adjusting a little bit slower than others to the pitch clock. Remember Walker pitching in the world baseball classic as well. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm not very worried about this rotation, at least with those three guys. And I'm not very worried about the lineup. They just have to tread water like they did last year. If they can hang around 500 by the time Bryce Harper comes back, they will be just fine. And talk about a team that's not worried about making, you know, cost-effective moves, right? Like not worried about making a move that, uh, oh, we might be giving up too much. Dave Dombrowski doesn't give a shit. He no. wants to make his team better. Yeah. They will do that. They will do that. The Phillies will be fine. Will they win the division? I don't know. Probably not. But they will. all they got to do is win a wild card, and they'll be fine. And they'll be fine. So two losses. So – we're recording where it's Matt Strom today against Domingo Herman, right? So we don't know what's going to happen in that game, but the Phillies could easily win that game because Domingo Herman sucks. Um, but in game three on Sunday Night Baseball, the Phillies put up a 292 expected batting average. The Rangers put up a 204 expecting batting average. The Phillies were one for eight with runners in scoring position, and they scored one run. The Rangers were one for one with runners in scoring position, and they won two to one. That was a game where the Phillies should have won, but just the batted ball luck was not on their side. That's baseball. That's why the game is not played on a computer, and that's why we love it. It's not scripted. Anything could happen in a format like that. Bailey Falter looked good against that great Rangers lineup, which is a big positive for the Phillies. The bullpen looked good. The bats just didn't come through that day with runners in scoring position. So that yeah. game, of course, my not gamblers know that the Phillies were due for a loss after Sunday night baseball. The ultimate system is fading yeah. the team that has to travel from Sunday night baseball. You finish the game at 10, 11 at night. You're tired. You got to fly on a plane. You're probably, I don't know if it happens to you. Sometimes you get constipated. Right. When you're on a when you're on a plane and you're flying late night and you don't have good enough sleep, sometimes you're just not yourself. Now so I didn't saying, need to use that language. The Phillies, the Phillies are constipated. Is that why they're they're 0 4? I think they're constipated right now. Okay. It okay. seems like they're puckering. Doesn't okay. it kind of seem like they're puckering a little bit? But in all actuality, the system is fading that road team off Sunday night baseball. They had to travel after playing a really late night game. Then they go to New York and they face Nestor Cortez Jr. in an interleague matchup where they haven't really faced him. They still got seven hits. They just weren't able to score the runs and they lost. Howen Walker didn't have a good start. They might win today and then Phillies fans are back. Like, it's just like it's you had two unfortunate losses and really fell into a system. And then the other ones, like your two best pitchers got killed. That won't happen often. I, I would almost venture to say those were their going to be their two worst starts of the season because they're both awesome. So I think the Phillies are totally fine. They're a team that I want to start betting on because I guess it's over in terms of <laughs> Phillies fans. Remind, remind me that that first series, was that in Philly or Texas? No, it was in Texas. So it's okay, the well, road they got team. Host. Exactly. They got, they got fucking they got host. host, they got host. Not only do you have to start on the road in Texas, then go to New York on you know the Sunday night game, like you mentioned, which is a always a letdown following up. The fact that you have to also go to New York and play – against the Yankees that's just a bad like unfortunate scheduling situation what's so funny to me is the Mariners are one and four not a peep from their fans it maybe we're in the wrong circles (laughs) I haven't heard a word from any Mariners fans just losing their shit even the Blue Jays their fans are a little rabid especially with us they're just mad about the pitching but they know their team is good it's like the Phillies like have some confidence yeah 
Yeah. Have some confidence I mean, in your ball club. You just yeah. went to the World Series. Remember what the Bengals did last year in the yeah. NFL after they? Oh, went it was to over. Bowl, it was a wrap. And then they went like what? Oh and two, oh and three to start the season, or weren't covering, or just looked like trash. Like it's a World Series hangover. Shit happens. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be just fine. Um, yeah. And I hope we we gave some peace of mind to Phillies fans. Just real quick before we get to the <laughs> final four questions, uh, a quick note from our friends at So Rare which is a free-to-play fantasy game that I have been thoroughly enjoying. So I talked about this with with Jack, and actually I want to be very transparent about how I'm learning and what I'm doing in these so rare games. So basically, for those who might not have heard the the you know segments we've done in the past, free-to-play fantasy game, you draft your players uh, and you put together a lineup. And then based on how your lineup performs, you can win different prizes like you know, VIP experiences, tickets to ball games, um, and, and even merch. But also, you know, if you don't come in first, I came in 403rd out of like 14,000. I won a, a really solid Francisco Lindor card, which I could now put into my lineup for this week. So now I swapped out like Jonathan India for Francisco Lindor because my lineup did well last week. And so it's mostly, it's all the same players I drafted from before, but every week, if you finish pretty well, you get a reward and you can plug them into your lineup and keep leveling up. The one thing I learned is that I started Hayden Wesneski last week in my lineup, but he didn't pitch that week and it's week to week competitions. So that would have probably put me in like the top 100. Um, that was what I learned. So make sure when you're building your lineups that the pitcher is pitching that week uh, because it is week to week competitions. And it was something that didn't cross my mind, but I've got Wesneski for this week and he's throwing as we're recording this in a couple hours. So it's really fun. Um, it's free to play on the baseline. And then if you want to get to like higher stake stuff, you can continue to win rewards and try to get up to the higher stakes that way. Or you can buy rare cards and build a lineup that way as well. It's all really fun. And of course you can sell those cards later too, and then buy others and keep going from there. So I've really enjoyed it so far. Some people have DM me the lineups at so rare, uh, that they've put together, which is a lot of fun. And, and I hope that they're enjoying it. I've been given as much feedback on lineups as I can. Um, and yeah, man, I I've really, been enjoying it and my co- my contest this week i've got acuna corbin carroll wesneski lindor tristan casas phil bickford you gotta have one reliever i went low budget bickford was good yesterday and then otani but otani's not gonna throw this week so i swapped him out for uh reed detmers who looked pretty good yesterday two things the link to download is in our episode description uh, so you can play fantasy baseball all year long with us for free and if you want to buy cards make your team better I highly recommend it just because it's a blast. Uh, Point number two, transparency is a big point on this podcast. And I finished in the 4,000s. I got (laughs) I didn't win shit, dude. I had Wheeler. I had Sandy. Spent all my money on them. My hitters didn't do anything. And I got freaking creamed. So, yeah, I didn't win shit because I finished like in the middle of the pack of 12,000 entries. So, yeah, for transparency's sake, I got freaking reamed, but I'm due for a bounce back this week. I'm due, right? I'm yeah, due, well, right? You, get to, you keep those cards. You told me before we recorded, you asked me, like, how do you feel about Sandy? Like, for your sake, I hope I hope pretty good. Again, another guy so that's much pitching. money on that piece of shit. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was most of your budget. So the way that it works is, uh, you know, the best – you have 120 points. The better the player – 
um, the more points he costs up to 10. So obviously Sandy was probably 10 points. Um, but yeah, you know, I got a guy, I got a, got a guy like Corbin Carroll who was like five or six points. And that's been a steal. He went yard yesterday that gave me, you know, a ton of fantasy points for my team. So, uh, that's kind of how that works and it makes it a lot of fun. And again, you can en- enter those competitions. The minors competition is the one I'm in right now. Um, but if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. I'll try to answer anything I got there. And again, the link is in our description for so rare MLB so that they know that we sent you. Uh, but it really is a lot of fun. It's it, I like that it's free to enter so that if you do really enjoy it, then you can decide if you want to start, you know, building the, you know, pay to play lineups, but you don't have to pay to play, which is the cool part about it. And you can climb your way through the ranks and have a lot of fun doing it and potentially win some big time prizes and VIP experiences. Question number four. Number four here is from Justin P. White on Instagram. Which contender are you most worried about after the one to two series? Again, I love these questions, bro, because no matter what, we probably sound stupid, but it's so fun. Um, So I'll kick it to you first. Uh, I will just highlight this and I'll set the scene here. I'll list all of the teams that are in last place presently. The Toronto Blue Jays, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Chicago Cubs, the Detroit Tigers, the Seattle Mariners, and then the Rockies and D-backs are tied for last. Again, we've played four games. Doesn't really matter. Some have played five. So, oh no. But it's still really funny and fun. So, the floor is yours. I would say the team I'm most concerned about is the Blue Jays. But I'm not that concerned, right? Like, but just because I am very nervous about the pitching. Um, because Jose Barrios was a guy who it's like, well, he can't get any worse and then look terrible against the Royals. You know, Alec Manoa was a guy who was due for regression in his first start. He gave up a ton of runs against the Cardinals. Kevin Gosman looked great, but that day the Blue Jays bats didn't show up. Right. Chris Bassett. I would, that was my gut pick for a yeah, guy who was, was going to regress. Was good, that and was a good he, gut pick. And he did not look good. He was given up an incredible amount of hard contact. Velo was down too. Velo is down too. We're going to see you say Kikuchi tonight, who's been much better in spring training. His Velo has been up. So maybe he's a guy who comes back. But overall, when I look at all the contenders, like I ain't worried about the Mariners. They lost a couple of close games. They lost on some bullshit errors. Like the Astros, you know, Altuve's not back and they just don't look quite like themselves yet. But the White Sox played pretty well. So I don't really care. Dodgers look good. You know, Mets look fine. You know, Cardinals look good. Like, everyone else looks pretty good. So if I had to choose, it would be the Blue Jays because my concerns about their starting pitching are showing early. But that doesn't mean that that they're going to continue, right? My gut pick could be Chris Bassett, and then he rattles off a bunch of great starts in a row. Alec Manoa could say, screw your regression, and then rattle off a bunch of great starts in a row. So for the question's sake, I'm saying the Blue Jays. But I'm not really that nervous. I'm just, if I had to choose. Yeah, it's like, I almost like can't choose one. Like it, it's it's really hard. Um, you know, we, we just made a whole case about why, you know. No, but the, worried, but the best part about this question is that you could spin whatever narrative you want. Correct. Correct. <laughs> because, uh, so, because Miguel Vargas has a 700 WRC plus right now. <laughs> yeah. And he's walking at a 98% clip. Yeah. Um, so the contender, the, the contending team I'm worried about is the A's, man. I, yeah. I looked at the lineup and I just. I, I forgot where everybody went. Where did Sean Murphy go? Where did Matt Olson go? I, 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 that totally confused me. But no, I 
I'm looking across the, the, the like the league right now. Obviously, the Twins are off to a great start, so you, you know you can't can't say anything there. The White Sox, I would say the White Sox. Do they count as a contender? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of worried about the White Sox when Michael Kopech gives up six homers. Um, you know, I, they're off to an okay start, two and three, because Yoan Moncada has been raking, but Yohan Mankata is still swinging and missing a ton. I think he's probably going to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, I look at the pitching staff though, and just, just through the first start of each of those guys, besides Dylan Cease, who looked fantastic. Amazing. Uh, and they actually got a decent start from Giolito. I just, I looked at Clevenger. I thought he just skated, but I don't know how he's going to, I don't think he's going to do that again. Like I, there's something about this, this White Sox team that when I watch them, I'm just don't like, trust. this team, I just don't trust it. And yeah, and yeah. going into the year, like I didn't trust it. And then just watching them play, I can't really put it into words. It, what it kind of boils down to for me is that I feel like things have kind of went right for the White Sox so far. Some of the guys I'm expecting them to like not throw well, like Clevenger, Giolito, uh, obviously Kopech didn't throw well. But some of the guys I was expecting not to throw well kind of threw well. Some of the bats that I was very nervous about have gotten off to good starts. I, I wasn't even nervous about Grandal. I was positive he wouldn't hit. He's been swinging it a little bit. Uh, yeah, got, you got Mankata swinging it. I'm just kind of waiting for those guys to come back to earth or just kind of things to go wrong. And maybe I'm just jaded from watching the white Sox for so long and just seeing things fall apart, but it seems like things are going well for them and it still doesn't feel good. So I'm just kind of waiting. It's a gut feeling, but I'm just waiting for the, the wheels to kind of to fall off. I'm not hoping for it. I kind of like the white Sox. I got nothing against them, but it just, something feels like it's all about to fall off. And I, I just, something about this team. I just don't enjoy watching them. I don't have a good feeling about them either. And it's hard to explain, right? It's just like a team that just they don't play baseball well, but they win, if that makes sense. Like when I watch Cardinals games, I'm like, that's a team that plays yeah, baseball. Totally. Like they know what they're doing. Like even in a loss, I'm like, yeah, shit happens. Like that's that's a well-rounded baseball team. Yeah. When I watch the White Sox, I'm like, just because they hit three two-run home runs – and one six to four, like they almost lost the it game. It doesn't like, feel sustainable. It doesn't feel it almost like, and I don't mean is. to come after you, but the Marlins, You're like they won that game against the Mets. And I'm like, they play losing baseball yes. that day, but won mm -hmm. the game. Like, it's just right. like, I'm not saying the White Sox are the Marlins, but I am saying there's like different forms of playing baseball. And when you watch good teams play, and win, and then you watch like the White Sox play and win, it just feels different, even though it's it still win in the column. It doesn't feel sustainable, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm, like, waiting for, like, Elvis Andrews to just be stuck at 1,999 hits for, like, four months now. Like, I just – I don't know. There's just something about this team, man. I don't know Elvis uh, Andrews, yet, though. I mean, he's had a great it. career. I love him, but I, I just don't – I don't know if I love him this year. <laughs> I see that. We move on to the next question here, which comes from S. Kravitz13 on Instagram. And, man, is this a good one. Start bench cut, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, and Jose Ramirez. The way he put it was Arenado, Manny, J-Ram. But start bench cut those guys, Peter. So if I were to start bench cut, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, and Jose Ramirez, it's impossible. And any answer that you give is probably the right answer. But my answer is I'm starting Manny Machado. I still think he is the best combination of offense at the plate and defense. I do. 
Nolan Arenado is the best defender of them all, but I still prefer Manny Machado's bat slightly, and I don't think the defensive difference is that big. I really don't. I think Machado is one of the best defenders at third base in Major League Baseball, and I think Arenado is in the top three, and I think Machado's like top five or six, and I think Machado is the better bat than Arenado. J-Ram is the worst defender of the three, but he's the best base runner. And you can make arguments sometimes that he's the best hitter. But I think the best combination is Manny Machado. So I'm going to start Machado. And then the last one is impossible. I think I would bench Arenado and cut J-Ram. And... Again, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but the way I rank them in my top 100 is Machado, Arenado, J-Ram. They were all top 20 players. But if I had to start with one, like I have to go with Machado and then Arenado has just earned it. And like, I love J-Ram to death, but that's, I would rank them Machado, Arenado, J-Ram. So then that means I'm cutting Jose Ramirez, which is an insane thing to say. You know, here's here's the, like, just, to show you how fucked up the question is. Jose Ramirez finished fourth in MVP voting last year in the American League. Nolan Arenado finished third in MVP voting in National League. And Manny Machado was the runner-up in MVP voting <laughs> last year. So, um, you know, it, it, this is crazy. So I, like, and this is more of like a personal preference thing than anything, right? Like, yeah. there is no right or wrong answer, as, as we kind of noted. Before last year, I'm probably cutting Arenado just because of the doubts of the offensive ability. Not that anyone didn't think he could hit away from courses. Would he be 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 a 900 OPS guy away from course? Because the year before that, he was at 807. The fact that this dude has won a gold glove, and I know it's a little bit of an arbitrary award, but not really with him, right? He's won a gold glove every single year he's been in the major leagues. Made another disgusting play. By the way, if you follow our Twitter, you know, uh, Just Baseball on Twitter, like it's just BB underscore media on Twitter. Uh, We got the highlights there. That Arenado highlight was gross. If Arenado's swinging it like this, man, like with, with his glove, I really think he might be the best defensive third baseman of all time. Um, I have bias towards Arenado. I love him. I think I'm going to start Arenado just because I love him so much. Um, and and I think he found something offensively, like in this second phase of his career, to really produce away from quarters. 891 OPS last year was fantastic. Uh, for reference, Machado 898, which is just absolutely nuts. Um, and J Ram was 869, like a bum. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> So this is where it's interesting because you kind of laid it all out, right? And with J-Ram, you mentioned the, the the base running ability, right? This guy's stole, stolen almost 200 bags in his career. He might hit the 200 stolen base mark this year with the new rules. And the new rules, like, there's only one guy of this group that's really going to benefit from that from a stolen base perspective. And it's he's J-Ram. He's, and he's two for two on the stolen bases. He's a switch hitter who puts the ball on the ground more than both of them. Um. Already two for two in five games on stolen bases. I'm going to, God, I, I feel like I should be arrested for cutting any of these guys. No, I'm that's like why it's like you could literally start bench cut and make an argument for any order. And I would agree with you. Yeah. So I'm so. going starting Nolan Arenado, 
I'm benching Jose Ramirez and I'm cutting Manny Machado, which <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I could like throw up right now. I'm like, I'm like anxious inside. Like I feel, I feel gross. <laughs> yeah. That just goes to show the difference that these three baseball players are some of the best in the world. And I'm starting Machado and arms cutting Machado. That's the difference. It's, <laughs> yes. it's personal preference. It's, you know, what do you value more? And I value and in my opinion, and this might not even be true, this is just my opinion, that I think Manny Machado has the second best glove and the best bat out of the three. So oh, I combine I those and much. I say he's the best. But J-Ram's the clearly better base runner, like by far. And he's still got a great glove and he's an amazing bat. And Arenado has the best glove and is almost there with the bat. It's like, whatever. Any I answers. think that, yeah, I, I think really it's it's whether you, I think what it boils down to for me is whether you buy that Arenado can duplicate last year's OPS. Because if he's going to be an 850 OPS guy. Then then at that point, it's like, holy shit, these guys are all within 1% of each other. And yeah, that's maybe, why it was a really good question. Maybe bench J-Ram cut Arenado. I don't know. No, I, I don't. I can't cut Arenado. I just can't. I just can't. I, I'm sorry. I can't. It's, I think that's illegal. Yeah, I can't. Um, no, but that's a great question. Thank you for that, Mr. Kravitz. We'll go to the final two questions. This one's from at simonwalton.nyc, city boy on Instagram. Dark horse rookie of the year pick in each league after five days of games. So I brought up Bryce Turing earlier because I don't even think he's he's dark horse because he's legitimately raking through the first four games. Um, so I'm interested to see, like, is, is this something that you've it's we've pretty much given out those picks. Have you seen anything that has maybe swayed you one way or another? Have, have you thinking anything different on the rookie of the year potential here? Uh, or, or are you kind of just feeling the same as you felt in the last episode? James Outman is a guy who I guess is a dark horse, but he's third in major league baseball for war. Like it's hard to find a dark horse when like the dark horses themselves are starting out so hot, but like, we can't forget about Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll is slashing 333, 333, 556 to give him a 141 WRC plus. He's got a home run. He's got three steals. Like he was my runaway rookie of the yes. year. And he's already started off and been one of the best hitters in the Diamondbacks lineup. So he's just still my rookie of the year. But I've been so impressed with James Outman in the National League that I said, it. yeah, maybe he could do it. But I still just think it's Carroll, right? So yeah. That, I guess, is the dark horse. That's why it's a tough question because it's like, I'm not going to pick a dark horse that started off really badly. And they're not a dark horse if they started off really well because it's easy. Yes. So that's why the question is so good, but it's so difficult. Yeah, you know, and I would love to to answer it like right after this Wesneski start because I think that's when I could follow up on 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 that pick earlier. But on the National League side, I'd probably go Joey Weimer. Um, th did you see the throw he made the other day? Arm. You said it yourself, yeah. and it was on a line bounce, perfect, nailed him at second. Like no, like almost no step, like threw it out of the footed. corner, out of the corner of the stadium. The old, the old recoil, the old recoil. It was that was badass. So Joey Weimer, some background, real quick. One of, I know we've talked about it. Like he plays like his hair is on fire. He has one of the you know more unorthodox swings and setups. He struck out 30% of the time in double A uh, in 2022 in 84 games. I, I really feel like he he was kind of ready to be promoted and just was kind of going stale there and just like kind of lost focus because then he gets brought up to triple A in the middle of a perceived slump. And in 43 games, cuts his strikeout rate in half 
and raises his walk rate by 3%. His contact rate skyrocketed, and he hit 287, 368, 520 in AAA. And it's worth noting, like, we have park factors for the major leagues. We don't, you know, we have it a little bit in the minors. I don't think a lot of people, like, are able to, to follow it and monitor Triple A Nashville is 10 times harder to hit in than double A Biloxi, which has a jet stream straight out to left. And his power numbers went up. This guy's got monster power. He's got the ability to make highlight reel throws and plays in the outfield. And he's in a beautiful stadium to put up crazy power numbers. Joey Weimer could catch lightning in a bottle and hit 30 home runs as a rookie. And that's, that's what it's going to take to probably beat Corbin Carroll. So that's my dark horse on that side, but also Spencer Steers looked really good out of the gate as well. So that's a name to watch. Uh, but I, I think that's probably my dark horse in the national league is, is, is Joey Weimer here. I like it. Um, and I guess like a dark horse. Cause I was like, all right, who's a rookie that's getting a lot of playing time who hasn't started off that hot. But when I watch them, I'm like, all right, I see something in there. Spencer Steers, a guy who's obvious. I've been on him since he debuted, ever since he won me a bet. And I'm just like, this guy's so gritty. I love him forever. He's got a 200-plus WRC+. plus. But Astor Ruiz, I think, looks pretty yeah. solid, right? 102 WRC+, plus had made some fantastic plays in the outfield for the A's. And I find it funny that they were willing to part with Pache, moving Loriano to a corner, because they really want Astor Ruiz to play center. He's not the Kevin Smith pick that I gave at last year who just sucks. And I bet on him at 75 to one because he's getting playing time. Like a Ruiz, if he plays a full season and gets on base enough, could be a big stolen base threat. Not sure that he can do so. You know, he hasn't shown a ton at the plate so far, but he's a guy where I'm like, all right, if everything goes right, I can see it. So for the yeah. question in itself, a Ruiz on the Oakland A's is a guy who I'm like, okay, I can... I can picture that. Will it happen? Yeah. No. Can I picture it? Absolutely. He's hitting the ball harder than he ever has, which is which is a great sign. And and if again, if he gets on, like you mentioned, with these new rules, he could he could steal 45. He stole 75 last year. By the way, your boy Kevin Smith, it's the PCL, but he's <laughs> homered dating back to last year 14 times in 31 games. I knew it. It was always <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> he just was doing it in the wrong league. I don't, I don't know why league. he's doing that. Um my that my one early. other and and a wrong league but it's okay uh but i thought that was pretty funny uh he had three the other day uh the the one guy that i mentioned in our preview episode when we did all the odds on bet mgm and when we were kind of giving out our picks there uh, and i think he's been off to a great start as logan ohoppy catcher with the angels like there's a direct he's gonna play every day Uh, he's swinging it well he's a good catcher if that team's good like that guy's going to have a strong case as long as somebody else isn't running away with it. You know, in the American League, of course, we, we kind of expect Gunnar Henderson to run away with it. Now that Volpe's getting everyday reps, he's going to be tough to beat as well. Uh, and Yoshida as well is going to be tough to beat. So uh, it, the dark horses are are tough. And I think even Kolos could be considered a dark horse. But it, it's it's just one of those things where it's going to be so hard to dethrone the top guys. And I think that's already been pretty clear out of the gate. Absolutely. Last question. Last question from Brian Gross 17 on Instagram. What teams do you think will go after Corbin Burns after the season? Or do you think the Brewers could possibly offer an extension? I'll answer the latter real quick. And then we'll kind of float through teams. Um, I would like, I think that a lot has been made of Corbin Burns frustration um, because of what he said. A lot of players have probably felt worse about their team situation and didn't, you know, have that slip in a comment and still ended up signing with the team. While I think it's unlikely 
that it happens. I wouldn't rule it out completely an extension with the Brewers just because of what he said. I know the arbitration aggravated him, but here's the thing. You you can mend that. That that's that's a salvageable relationship bump there. Um so while I do think it's more likely he goes elsewhere, I'm not going to just totally rule out an extension because, you know, the Brewers and and Corbin Burns didn't get along after arbitration. If this team plays well this year, if they compete for the division, they make the playoffs and they have a nice little stretch, that winning seems to cure all. So I wouldn't totally rule that out. But that said, the the, the meat of this question is what other teams could you see maybe pursuing him? Because he's not going to be cheap. So I really thought about him leaving because to your point, I think you make a lot of really good points. So I'm not ruling it out, but I do think it's unlikely that he returns because I'm thinking if I'm Corbin Burns and I'm going to the table and I put up another season where I'm top five and, and I'll say young voting and I'm incredible and the Brewers don't make the playoffs, which I think is a much more likely scenario. He goes, all right, I want some of the most money in major league baseball because I'm one of the best pitchers in major league baseball. I'm arguably the best. If you look at war totals, if you look at ERA, he ranks up there with anyone and he's going to be walking into his prime seasons being like, I want 200 million. I want $300 million. And the brewers are going to be like, what our whole pay, like no shot. We're doing gonna that. Go buy the, like, yeah, All right. Gonna... I'm gone. That's how yeah. I just view the situation unfolding. So I thought of a couple teams that I think would be incredibly interested. All 29 other teams should be interested, but there's a couple I keyed in on. Aaron Nola will be a free agent soon. And the Phillies haven't offered him an extension. I assume there was extension talks, but nothing's been agreed upon. I wonder if the Phillies let him walk and then ultimately sign Corbin Burns. Of course, they're going to need to give Zach Wheeler money, but I thought, okay, that's a Dave Dombrowski type where he sees Corbin Burns on the open market and says, we'll do whatever you want to get him. Of course, I could see the Dodgers. Totally. Feels right up the Dodgers alley to just go snipe one of these guys. You (laughs) can't rule out the Padres either, right? Because let's say, you know, we haven't heard much about a Soto extension. Maybe they end up letting him walk. It would be insane. It would be insane. I would argue against it, but I've seen, I don't even know if I've seen weirder, but it's something that could happen. So the Padres should definitely be in the running. The Yankees are, of course, always going to be in the running for a big time free agent like this. But the team I narrowed in on the most, and it depends how they do this season, but he kind of feels like a Red Sox. Thank you. That was mine. He kind of feels like a Red Sox, right? Their pitching has not really unfolded. They spent money on the offense, and they really don't have anyone coming up the pipeline outside of Brian Bayo. A Corbin Burns signing for Bloom would inject so much into that clubhouse. And, you know, let's say they win 80 games this year, which is entirely possible. They could say, all right, we're close. We just need to get pitching. And Corbin Burns is on the market. We haven't made a big splash in a while. I could totally see the Red Sox. That was the team I keyed in on the most. That was so funny because we did not, we do not collaborate before these episodes when it comes to like this kind of stuff. Red Sox are my number one. I got a number two coming up in a second, but I'll even take it a step further on the Red Sox. Chris Sale, because remember this would be for 2025, right? Because you have, you have this year and then next year where, where Burns is under control. He's a free agent for 25. Chris Sale is owed 27.5 this year. 27.5 next year, and then a vesting option for 20 million. So either it's going to be 7.5 million less, which is a nice chunk of change, even if the option does vest. And I'd venture to say there's a good chance that that option doesn't vest. I don't know exactly what the criteria is, but uh, based on how he's looked, there's a chance it might not. 
So they're either clearing up 7.5 or 27.5 from Chris Sale and can instantly plug in an ace. They also are clearing up money from Kenley Jansen because he's two years at 32, 16, 16, then nothing there in 2025. That's a good chunk of change. Chris Martin is nine and a half coming off the books in 2020. They've got like almost 50 something million dollars coming off the books, actually closer to 60 potentially if you add up everything else when they kind of enter that free agency for Corbin Burns. That's the splash to make. Another one is the Giants, right? The Giants have been looking to make the splash for whatever reason they have not been able to. And that that rotation, they piece it together, and we know that they always find a way to get the most out of pitchers, right? They, they always get the undervalued guys. But at the same time, I'm sure they'd love to have an ace at the top, you know, to maybe pair with Logan Webb and then build out from there. Um, that would really help jumpstart. And I think those these are two similar teams, two teams with decent pieces, but not enough, you know, depth, not enough well-roundedness, and just they're kind of stuck in the middle. And I think that's exactly where the Giants are too. I could see one of those two teams finally making that big deal and, and going to get one of these two guys, or sorry, getting to, going to get Corbin Burns. That was a good question because he is going to be such a coveted free agent. Before uh-huh. we go, quick story. I want to shout out a reliever on the Yankees. His name is Ian Hamilton. And Ian Hamilton, when he was on the White Sox, a foul ball hit him in the face and he underwent facial reconstruction surgery. The Yankees signed him and he threw last night and looked really good. He throws this weird slider changeup thing and it doesn't even like really register on baseball savant. I was falling on the baseball savant. They like... It's just like said, a like, new pitch. IDK. It, it like it's a slider profile, but it fades like a changeup. It's not Devin Williams esque, but it's that you don't really know what the pitch is in that sense. And I thought it was so cool to see him last night, and he pitched really well after un- undergoing facial reconstruction surgery with the White Sox, and that was years ago. And he's finally back. I watched the post game presser. I was just like, that is such a cool story. So shout out to Ian awesome. Hamilton. No, thanks for sharing that. That is super dope. I did not see that. I can't imagine. I, you know, I caught a liner off the head when I was 15, got mm-hmm. a concussion, had a fracture right here, at like right above my eye. And when I was pitching and, and that was like the scariest thing was getting back on the mound. I didn't need facial reconstructive surgery. I, I got better pretty quickly. And the first time getting back on the mound, that was incredibly intimidating and that wasn't with a big leaguer you know that could hit it 500 miles an hour 60 feet six inches from me so that's an awesome story hope he has continued success there that'll do it for this just baseball show you know where to find all the links make sure to check out peter's live show where i'll be going on from time to time trying to trying to put up a winning record this year started one and two. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Peter is going to be putting up a winning record all year long. Uh, also check out the call up, check out all of our other podcasts that you can see as well as our website where we're turning out a ton of articles there. Definitely download or go to so rare. And the link is in our description to go check that out. And if you're in one of these States that allows you to use that free bonus with BetMGM, uh, which is also linked in our description as well. Peter, any final thoughts? The code is JB200, wager $10 on any MLB game. Remember, it's for MLB, so it's right up our alley. Wager $10, use code JB200, and you get $200 free instantly. Get your Just Baseball merch. It's the best way to support this podcast. You can find that in the link tree with all the other podcasts on the network. And with that, thank you, everybody. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.